With my king close by, my perfume filled the air. A sachet of myrrh is my love to me, laying all night between my breasts. A cluster of henna flowers is my love to me in the desert gardens of Engedi. Look at you, so beautiful, my dearest. Look at you, so beautiful, your eyes are doves. of our chambers, our cedars, our rafters, cypresses. Love in bloom. I am a rose of the Sharon Plain, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorn bushes, so is my dearest among the young women. Like the apple tree among the wild trees, so is my lover among the young men. In his shade I take pleasure in sitting, and his Fruit is sweet to my taste. He has brought me to the house of wine. His banner raised over me is love. Sustain me with raisin cakes. Strengthen me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is beneath my head. His right embraces me. How graceful are your sandaled feet, willing woman the smooth curves of your thighs like fine jewelry, the work of an artist's hands, your navel cupped like the full moon. May it never lack spiced wine. Your belly is a mound of winnowed wheat edged with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle doe. Your neck like a tower of ivory, your eyes pools in Heshbon by the gate of that lordly city. Your profile is like the Tower of Lebanon, Looking out toward Damascus, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, and your hair braided in royal purple, a king is bound by the tresses. You are beautiful, so lovely, my love, delightful one. Your stately form resembles a date palm, and your breasts are like clustered fruit. I say, I will climb the palm tree. <laughs> I will hold its fruit. May your breasts be now like grape clusters and the scent of your breath like apples. Your palate is like excellent wine. Flowing smoothly for my love, gliding through the lips and the teeth, I belong to my lover, and his longing is only for me. The ripeness of love. Come, my love, let's go out to the field and rest all night among the flowering henna. Let's set out early for the vineyards. We will see if the vines have budded and the blossoms opened, see if the pomegranates have bloomed. There, I'll give my loving to you. The mandrakes give off their scent, and at the doorways is every delicacy, fresh and ripened. My love, I have kept them hidden for you. For the word, word of God, of God in, in scripture, scripture for, for the, the word, word of God, God among us, us. For the, For the word, word of God, of God within, within us. us. Thanks be to God. Okay, every time. I invite you to turn to number 161 in your hymnal. It was very hard for us to find, I mean, hard. It was impossible to find hymns that really reflect 
the nature of these scriptures. But it is often allegorized as God's seeking love for God's people. And so I invite you to sing number 161, I Sought the Lord. There is a content advisory from This American Life that has always delighted me and is apropos today. So here you go. You can just imagine me as Ira Glass. <clears throat> Warning to listeners, this story slash sermon slash book of the Bible does acknowledge that people have sex. It does acknowledge that. It does acknowledge that people have bodies and desires and, yes, sex. So some of those of you with um, folks next to you with smaller ears may get to have some really fun and interesting conversations later on today. And I invite you to step right into that and engage it because, boy, here we go. Here we go. We have just heard an excerpt from Song of Songs that I've never heard read aloud in church before. Uh, I've certainly never preached on it before. We're doing all kinds of firsts in this series of the, indeed, Forgotten Books of the Bible. That's the book that this worship series is based on, the Forgotten Books of the Bible. Here is my first Song of Songs sermon. It is, I mean, you could see it there, sort of sparking a little bit between Emily and Chase. It is erotica, to put it plainly. It is poetic, embodied love. It is sensual poetry. As Dr. Robert Williamson, or otherwise known as Bobby, has written in that book of his, The Forgotten Books of the Bible, Song of Songs will make you blush. 
but won't get you arrested. Indeed, it is erotically suggestive, but just shy of explicit. It's real clear what's happening, <laughs> but just shy of explicit. While there is no mention of God anywhere in the entire book of the Song of Songs, no mention of God, while that is the case, it has been read allegorically as the love between God and humans. God in Israel, God in the church, God in each individual. And when we read Song of Songs, I think we can read it both ways. It is both just the clear, plain meaning of the text, an erotic love song between two humans, and we can read it allegorically to say something, to learn something of God's passionate, seeking love for us. But I will bet that if you have ever heard anything about Song of Songs in church, you've heard a little bit more of the allegorical reading. Brought me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. He brought me to his banqueting table, his banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. I never had to ask who he was. It was God, right? It was God. Did you know that came straight from the Song of Songs? Did you hear it in Emily's voice today, speaking of her lover? bringing her to the table and setting a banner over her of love. Never occurred to me that this was two humans speaking to one another. I thought it was God. I thought God was the he setting a banner over me. So I'm going to guess that you have heard it more allegorically, which is why I'm going to lean into the plain human reading of this text today. There are two voices in the Song of Songs. Two voices that speak responsively to one another. One of them is gendered male, using he, him pronouns. Another is gendered female, using she, her pronouns. And they speak to one another. The woman, interestingly, speaks more, quite a bit more. She, she is, in fact, the primary voice in the Song of Songs. She's the only one of the two that has a, a name, sort of. So she is sometimes referred to as the Shulamite, which we don't exactly understand, but it's sort of a woman of Jerusalem is our best guess or understanding of what the Shulamite means. So it is no wonder that this book of the Bible has been a complete embarrassment, a complete embarrassment to us, and allegorized almost to within an inch of its life. <laughs> because not only is there, yes, the acknowledgement that people do have sex in this text, not only is it a very clear and explicit acknowledgement of people's bodies and various very specific body parts, but there's a woman who is the agent, the primary agent in this text, the subject, and she has desire. 
Well, now here's where I tell you that I have read a lot of romance novels in the last three years. Like in the last three years, I have read more romance novels than I have in the rest of my life combined, which was basically the occasional dalliance and clandestine dalliance into Harlequin romance novels when I was somewhere in my pre-puberty years, you know, on the cusp of puberty years that I would read literally under the covers. I don't recall how I got them and how I successfully hid them from my mother, but I did. Even with those clandestine Harlequin romance novels, I've read more romance novels in the last three years. Now, I have just told you that, and I stopped just shy of confessing that to you. I almost said, here's where I confess, but I no longer confess. At least I am trying to shake that confessional language I simply tell it, I own it, thanks in part to Hannah Notess. Now, some of you in this room know Hannah Notess. Uh, Some of you who came in the last few years perhaps don't know her. She once sat among us and she and her family have moved back to Michigan. Hannah is a writer. She is smart. She is funny. She is respectable. I'm saying all of that because I'm gonna quote her at a bit of length here, not only because she is a great writer and spot on and so influential to my thinking and says it better than I could anyway, since mine would be a pales in comparison derivative of hers, but I'm also quoting Hannah Notes at length because I'm still shaking my innate embarrassment about reading romance novels and it feels good to have Hannah's companionship. So it's not just me, Hannah, no test too. All right, so here we go. This is an excerpt from a book review that Hannah no test wrote. Okay, here it goes on Goodreads. It's posted to Goodreads. So it is publicly available. The link will be in your podcast uh, list if you wanna read it. Okay, so this one requires some explanation. Hannah, you may be thinking, you are an award-winning literary author with a master's degree from a prestigious nationally ranked institution. Note, I don't usually refer to myself as such, but it is true. Why, you may ask, would you be giving four stars to a romance novel titled Rafe, a buff male nanny? When you just gave that exact same amount of stars to a highly regarded literary memoir. Well, never fear, because I have fired up the old laptop to tell you just that. First off, humans of Goodreads, I am an avid romance reader. It has taken me literal decades to admit this in public. But ever since, I don't know, 2016, when certain U.S. political events took place, I A found my reading for pleasure taking a more escapist turn. And now you might understand why it's been about three years for me that I've read many more. And B, found that I didn't feel like I had to be embarrassed about that anymore. People have a lot worse things to be embarrassed about. Ain't that the truth. People also denigrate romance regularly without knowing much about the genre. 
And I can say, having read in it pretty extensively, there is a lot out there that's crappy, but a lot of gems as well. Much like any genre, including poetry or experimental literary fiction. Many times I feel there's not a lot of literary art out there that joyously affirms women's desire and sexuality. Oh, uh-huh. But do you know what? In the romance world, there is. And I would say increasingly, as I've read it in the last three years, increasingly non-binary, queer folks of all kinds centering desires that have not typically been centered, right? So think on that for a moment. Do you think desire and sexuality are good and deserve celebration? Then maybe, just maybe, you should value romance too. And maybe not be ashamed about it. Does that mean unquestioningly celebrating every romance is good? In my opinion, no. Good writing is still a requirement as it is treating human beings, as is treating human beings with respect. If a romance is poorly written or sexist, ableist, racist, I'll stop reading. Life is too short and romance reading is supposed to be fun. And then one last parenthetical note, note again to literary writing in general, it's okay to be fun. I like literary writing that recognizes this too. Ah, thank you, Hannah Notes. I did read Rafe, a buff male nanny, was one of the first ones I read on Hannah Notes's recommendation. And I've read many more romance novels since particularly in the last three years. There you go, not confessing it, just saying it. <sighs> the book Song of Songs also centers female desire. Is there any wonder then that it has been an embarrassment the way that the genre of romance literature has been an embarrassment? Not only that, not only does it center female desire, for those who fear it, what's even worse than female desire? Young, unmarried female desire. Now, it is contextually pretty clear in the Song of Songs that these two voices, this, these two lovers, this man and this woman, are young, a young man and a young woman. It is clear that they are relatively young, as young as puberty, and unmarried pretty clear they're unmarried as well. There's is definitely a secret love, a hidden love, a forbidden, clandestine in some way kind of love. There's a reason that they're skittering about in nature and can't kiss in public and all sorts of other things. So contextually, this is, this is pretty clear. If you're just doing the pure, simple human read of it, these are young, unmarried lovers. Why is that important? Maybe it's not, but I will say this. I love that in the collection of sacred texts that we have in the Bible, and you know once we get to Paul, <laughs> there's a lot of anxiety, shall we say, and references to restrictions and confinement and keeping things in check and limits and all that. I love that we have a book where there is just the expression of the joy of human sexuality for its own sake. Just joy and pleasure and affirmation. And what a gift that we have that in the collection as well. 
Isn't it great that we have a book that in our biblical text that says simply, isn't human sexuality amazing? I mean, isn't it? Isn't human sexuality amazing? And how wonderful that we have a place to go in our sacred text that says just that. What a gift. Now I gotta find where I am in my notes. This is the problem with doing things the way I do. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Akiva once wrote of the Song of Songs. The whole world is not worth the day on which the Song of Songs was given to Israel. For all the writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holiest of the holy. The whole world is not worth the day on which the Song of Songs was given to Israel. For all the writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holiest of the holy. Often referred to as the sublime song, the songiest of songs, the greatest of all songs. Indeed, it is a gift. Part of the sexuality that is celebrated in the Song of Songs is quite simply the body, the human body. It wasn't in our reading, but earlier in the text, the woman says, dark I am and lovely. In other words, I am black and I am beautiful. The brothers at one point say, our sister is small. She has no breasts. Yes, it does say that. The brothers say this of their sister. She says, I am a city wall and my breasts are the towers. This is why we think she's about at puberty, right? They still see her as a kid, um, but she, she knows she is becoming a woman. She says to her lover, you are beautiful and her lover says back to her no you are beautiful but actually there's no no there it's just you're beautiful you're beautiful look at you so beautiful my dears look at you so beautiful your eyes are doves look at you so beautiful my love yes delightful yes our bed is lush and green you are beautiful you are beautiful Later, the woman says, I'm a rose of the Sharon's plain, a lily of the valleys. I mean, this is a woman who is feeling herself. This is like, this is like a long ago Lizzo song. And I, I, I decided not to repeat. I, I'm already pushing some boundaries, so I'm not going to repeat Lizzo lyrics from the pulpit. But if you know, you know, this is like a Lizzo song. Hair toss, check my nails, baby, how you feeling? You know, that kind of thing. She is feeling herself and she is loving her body and her way of being in the world. And couldn't we use more of that? And finally, and you saw this when Chase was speaking, right? He started at the top of Emily's body and moved all the way down to this sort of body scan, talking about each part of her body in turn. 
as he moved down her body. This is an Arabic form of poetry known as a watsif. And it's a body scan. It's an affirmation of the body from head to toe and everything in between. Oh, in this case, it was from the, it was from toe to head, wasn't it? It started with the sandaled feet, I believe, and then moved its way up to the hair and everything in between. And yet there's nothing objectifying about this. It is very clear they are in this together. It is adoring. It is appreciative. And especially we know that given the mutuality that takes place throughout this erotic and sensual poetry as they are speaking back and forth to one another. There is mutuality. There is consent. Like strangely, sort of our contemporary ideas of consent are in this text. There is actual active consent. And then she will return the body affirming favor for him. We're not gonna, we didn't read that part of the text, but she does the same thing to him, does this watsif, this Arabic form of poetry, with it, which is appreciation of the body. It's really, really beautiful and wonderful. Indeed, thanks be to God that this one slipped through the canonization process. I still have no idea. I mean, what a blush-worthy delight to have in our sacred text, this gorgeous celebration of sexuality, of desire, of the beauty of every last body made in the divine's image, which is to say all, every last body made in the image of the divine is beautiful your body is beautiful your body is beautiful and wondrous your body is beautiful and wondrous thanks be to god the whole world is not worth the day on which the song of songs was given to Israel. For all the writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holiest of the holy. Amen.